0: Good morning. Good morning, my name is David Stancil, and it is true, I like to eat. As a matter of fact, uh, I'll be pretty motivated to get through this sermon because I'll be, my th- I'll be due for my third meal at 11 o'clock, so elevenses, <laughs> um, first breakfast, second breakfast, and then elevenses, you know, comes after that. So anyways, now it is really a joy to be with, with you today, I really uh, always enjoy uh, being here with you. Uh, I am uh, an assistant pastor at Resurrection Williamsburg in Brooklyn, and it was a, a joy to find out that you guys are um, great minds think alike. Uh, you guys are going through the Psalms this summer, and so are we. And so uh, it is my joy to, uh, to, to come to you today. I always enjoy being here because uh, I just see God at work in your midst. Hearing from Mark and Leslie, and even just hearing a little bit of uh, the trip from Belize earlier, um, uh, God is at work in your midst, and uh, I see it. To so be encouraged, um, we're going to uh, go to Psalm Psalm forty six in a moment. But first of all, here what, what, I want you to stop what you're doing. We come into this these doors uh, uh, every Sunday, um, and we have frenetic lives. Many of us are here. Are here uh, maybe we try to get away from our frenetic lives, but we have frenetic lives where we are living at a fast pace and. Right now, maybe you're like me, you're either rehearsing what's happened this past week, maybe you're rehearsing even what's happened uh, on the youth, youth trip, maybe you're rehearsing what's happened even this morning, or you're thinking about uh, the week to come, you're thinking about all the tasks that you have to do, because that's what happens. Uh, as human beings, uh, we often just kind of get in the uh, pace of life that's around us in our context, and uh, we begin to go at a fast pace and... What I want to invite you to do this morning is I want to invite you to slow down, even to stop. (laughs) To stop what you're doing, stop what you're thinking, um, and I want to invite you into this moment. Normally what I would do right now is I would ask you to take your Bible out, uh, but I want you to just not even do that. (laughs) I want you just to stop and listen. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the psalm. Um, And I know many of you probably like to have the, the passage out, and you will in a moment, in front of you. But I just want you just to listen. I just want you to listen to the psalm being read um, as I read it here in a moment. I want you to stop and I want you to receive the reading of the word. And you're welcome to do whatever you want. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to just uh, continue the posture that you have right now, whatever posture it is that, that allows you to receive the word, I want to invite you to stop and to receive the word as it is read. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray together. Oh God, as we even take, take in a breath now, we pray that we would be able to breathe in your word. We pray that we would be able to receive your word. We give you thanks for this morning that you've gathered us together. We give you thanks that you've called each and every single one of us here and that you know us by name. We give you thanks that you have made us in your image and that you want us to know you. We give you thanks that you are a God who is always opening up your arms and ready to give yourself to us. All we have to do is receive you. So, Lord, we give you thanks that you desire even now to speak to us more than we are ready to listen to you. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. We pray that you would give us hearts that receive you and turn to you in faith. We pray that your word would be the power of salvation for all who believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to invite you to, if you are able to uh, open your Bibles up to Psalm 46, your pew Bibles, and I want to uh, ask you to continue to give your attention to this Psalm over the next few moments, to be in this present moment. um, One of the reasons I guided you through this exercise of stopping um, and receiving is because that's the nature of the Psalms teach us that. They teach us that we are, and really the whole Bible teaches us that we are called to be people who receive the work that God has already done for us on our behalf. That we're, our our nature is to want to do, 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 but God has already done the work for us in Jesus. And we are called to be people who receive that work from Him by faith. St. Augustine tells us that our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. And what happens is that we end up getting in this pace of life where we are, uh trying to, to work ourselves into, I don't know what, I don't know what it is for you. We're trying to work ourselves into a certain identity or a certain um, status. And God said, and St. Augustine reminds us that, that our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. God who has done the work for us in Jesus. And in order to find our rest in Him, we have to learn to stop. We have to learn to stop and receive, to stop what we're doing, to stop our work. And to receive what God has done for us. And that's really what I want us to do in this psalm. And what I want us to see in the psalm. I want us to receive Psalm 46 in this present moment. And that's the big takeaway. The big takeaway I'm going to give it to you right now is from Psalm 46. You heard it read earlier. The psalmist reminds us, be still and know that I am God. And I want us to actually walk through this psalm together. I want us to walk through that together during this sermon. To be still and to know that I am God. And I'm going to talk about two things. In order for us to do that, I want to talk about two things in order for us to learn to be still and to know that he is God. I'm going to talk about chaos and I'm going to talk about order. And I want to ask you to think about chaos, chaos in our life, chaos in, our, in the world around us. And I want to ask you to face the chaos and I want to ask you to embrace the order. To face the chaos that, that makes us restless, that makes us afraid. And I'm going to ask you to embrace the order that God brings. So first of all, let's talk about chaos, to face the chaos. I'm going to ask you a question. What makes you restless? What makes you stay up at night? What's kind of turning in your mind, even as, as right now in the, in the pew as you're, as you're sitting there? What, kind of, what causes you to kind of stir a little bit? What causes you to kind of increase your heart rate? Or maybe increase your breathing? Look at me at verses one through three. Verses one through three. This is the psalm gives us a picture of the worst chaos that could possibly happen. The earth gives way. The mountains are moved into the heart of the sea. The waters roar. The mountains tremble. The psalmist gives us this picture, the worst ima- uh, image that we can imagine. I don't know much about science, but I do know one thing. I do know what the second law of thermodynamics is. Do you know what the second law of thermodynamics is? I'm going to show off a little bit here my knowledge. of The one thing I know about science is the second law of thermodynamics is that everything turns from order to chaos. That's the one thing I learned in college. Kids, learn more than I did in college about that, but that's the one thing, the second law of thermodynamics. Everything turns from order to chaos. Just think about your living space. You don't have to work to make it dirty, right? It just happens. You just, it just happens, right? You're like, how did you walk into your room, you walk into your kitchen, how did this happen? How did this mess get here? You have to work so hard just to clean up every day, right? That is the second law of thermodynamics. Everything turns from order to chaos. You don't have to try to make things dirty. It just happens unless you clean and organize. And that law seems to be at work not only in our living space, but it seems to be at work in every area of our lives, right? When you think about your relationships. <laughs> it takes work to bring order to your relationships, or else if you don't put in work, it just turns into chaos, right? You think about your, your own career, your own vocation, right? Everything turns from order to chaos. No matter how much you try to, order you try to bring, it just t- keeps turning right back into chaos, or we can think about not only our, our work or our relationships, we can think about our world right now. We can think about um, things that are, you know, the youth trip. I'm sure that you many of you who went to Belize, you saw some beautiful things. But you also heard of many things that you saw that were chaotic, right? That were chaotic at your, on your trip. Look at verse 6. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. This is what makes up our news, that we rage against each other. And the chaos is in our world. It happens, I mean, you read about it yesterday in the news, right? In Charlottesville, Virginia. It's a perfect example of the chaos in our world. The fact that there is racism in our world. And that racism is wrong. And it brings chaos. And it brings godlessness. There's chaos in our world. The kingdoms totter. The nations rage. And it is chaos that is happening in Charlottesville because of the racism that's there. It's on our news. It's, all you have to do is pick up a newspaper or go to the news channels and you see it, right? You see the chaos, the nation's rage, the kingdom's totter. But it's not just on our news channels. It's on Netflix. It's on Hulu. It's on HBO. It's on your Amazon Kindle. It's on the shows that we watch and the books that we read. It's the picture of Psalm 46 played out in a show or written in a story. Because this picture in Psalm 46 is what we would call apocalyptic. It's an apocalyptic picture of the world coming to an end. And that's what we're obsessed with right now. I would, I would guess if I were to ask, if many of you who watch TV or read books, uh, that you have watched probably very recently a show that is what I would call apocalyptic. It's about the world coming to an end. One of the members of our congregation... Um, uh, Resurrection Brooklyn, what, uh, wrote a, recently co-wrote a book called How to Survive the Apocalypse. Uh, if you've ever, I don't know, maybe some of you have heard of it, I would h- highly recommend it. Uh, which looks at our culture's obsession with the end of the world. And provides a helpful definition of the apocalypse. When you think about apocalypse, what comes to your mind when you first think about the apocalypse, when you hear that word? You mostly think about war and destruction. You think about just how everything just ends, Right? Think about how everybody just kills each other, and the world just ends, which is part of the definition. Of course, that's part of the definition when we think about apocalypse. But apocalypse also means, which this author points out in uh, the book, How to Survive the Apocalypse, the definition also means to unveil or uncover what is really true. Apocalypse means to unveil or uncover what is really true, which is why we are so obsessed ...with these apocalyptic shows and books. We want to watch these shows because we want to uncover what's really true. We want to unveil what's really true about our world. About seven years ago, um, my uh, family, my wife and my kids... ...went on a vacation with my brother uh, and his family. We, we try to do that every summer. We went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina... ...which is my, my brother and I grew up going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina... ...when we, I'm originally from Georgia... And uh, so we loved to vacation there as as kids, and we decided to meet there one summer. And our kids were much younger then, so we were, uh, you know, going about our our routines, trying to get our kids in bed uh, on one of the first nights of of our vacation. And my brother said, you know what, I'm going to go run to the local grocery store, and I'm going to pick out a couple movies. After we get the kids down, we'll watch the movies. And what we normally do is we like to get, you know, like a comedy, something funny, something just to relax, you know, kind of take it easy. So, my brother goes to the grocery store while we're getting the kids down, and he comes back. And he says, Okay, I got kids are down, right? Yeah, the kids are down. Good, okay. So, I got picked out a couple movies for us. One of these movies, it seems like it's a really good movie. It's about a father and a son. It's called The Road. We sh- I think it will be really good. So, we turn on this movie, The Road, and um, it's not a comedy. It's an apocalyptic movie about the end of the world. My brother thought it was going to be a nice, easy show about a father and a son. Kind of a feel-good story. It was all but that. <laughs> the Road is an apocalyptic story where the sun no longer shines. And this father and son are two, the two the, of two the last people left on Earth, and they're trying to survive. The sun doesn't shine in this movie at all. And it was... Alarming to me, I, I I I couldn't hardly sleep at night. The next morning, fortunately, I, I woke up and uh, it was my time to take my daughter out for a walk at like five a.m. We went out to the beach, and the sun rose. Did you guys know this? The sun rises over the ocean, and I was so happy. I've never been happy to see the sun rise in my life <laughs> because of that movie. That movie, the world the, the world was gray. There was no sun, and I it just it. it got to me and the next morning i was just thanking god that the sun has risen i had never had so much more joy in my life than the sun rising that morning see i want i wanted to see the sun so badly because i don't want to i don't want chaos to win when you when we we watch those shows right when we read those books and we think apocalypse chaos wins the world is just gray the world just ends what's going to happen right we don't want chaos to win. We want the sun to rise. We want there to be light in the world. We don't want darkness to win. We don't want chaos to win. And that's the reality that we're trying to when we're trying to uncover is we're trying to ask the question: Does chaos win? Will it win? And that's the pre- that's the question that's present in our world right now. When we look out, and we read the news, and when we see the reality—not just on shows, but we see the reality—is so chaos going to win? Is chaos going to win in Charlottesville? We, we really are asking that question. We don't want that. We don't need that. The real chaos in our lives and the real chaos in our world, it frightens us. It can frighten us. It can frighten me. And it sure seems a lot of the time when we look at it that chaos is going to win. But this Psalm 46 reminds us. It shows us that we can actually, we don't have to run from the chaos. We don't have to ignore it. We can call it what it is. We can say, this is chaos. This is wrong. And then we can learn what God speaks to us about the chaos. The Bible tells us that we don't have to turn away from it. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to deny it. We can face it. And we can face it because God has and will bring, he's brought order and he will bring order and his rule into the world. So that's the second thing I want to talk about. We can face the chaos because God has brought the order. And we were called to embrace the order. So that's the picture that Psalm 46 gives us. It's not just apocalyptic. But it's also what we call eschelet- eschelet- uh, eschatological. Eschatological. <laughs> I promise I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> eschatological. Um, which is a word that means, uh, it, it's like what happens at the end of the world. What happens at the end. It, but when you even hear that word, when it's spoken correctly, when you hear that word, it's a little warmer, right? Apocalyptic just sounds dark. But the the word eschatology, eschatological, actually brings a little bit warmth. It's not uh, what you think about with with war and destruction. Eschatological is more like peace. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. It is a picture of a river running through the city of God to make everyone glad. And God is there. And the city shall never be moved. This is a picture of peace at the end of all things. Look at verse 9. Wars cease. The bow is broken. The spear is shattered. The chariots are burned with fire. In other words, destruction itself is destroyed. That's why Jesus came into this world. Jesus came into this world to destroy death and destruction. And He did. He did on the cross. He took on destruction Himself. He was destroyed so that destruction could could be gone forever. He died so that death could be no more. Friends, that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has come and he has brought his rule into this world, his order into this world, through his death on the cross. But not just his death, through his resurrection. He has been raised to new life, and that is the rule and order that will win, that has won. That's what this psalm is talking about. At the end of all things, God is going to make, bring peace. There's going to be a river. God is going to be there. God is our refuge and our strength. This is the reality that is told about God through the psalm. And it's a reality that we can hold out hope for at the end. We can say that's what's going to happen. But it's not just something that just we're trying to grasp for at the end. It's something that we can live in light of right now. It's not just something we say, Oh yeah, okay, I hope that happens. I can't wait for that to happen. That is true. That's what it means to have hope. But it's also a reality that is at work in our world right now. God has come in the person of Jesus, and He has brought His rule and He has brought His order. And that work is at work is working in our world right now. That, that peace and that order. He is a very present help in trouble. He is with us. The God of hosts is with us. He is our fortress. In other words, He is present and He is powerful now. Now. You can take refuge in Him now. In the midst of the chaos in your own life, in the midst of the chaos in our world right now. Not to hide from it, no, rather to find rest and abide in His peace and order. And this is where we get the takeaway right here. God has already done this work. What happens is we see chaos and we, in the world or we see order. We get afraid. We either, we either run from it or we want to kind of work to change it, which is all good. But we have to put it in its right place. And this is where we look at verse 10 with me. God says, be still and know that I am God. And when I hear that, the first thing I think about is, you know, I want to go to a quiet place. You know, it's, it's been nice to go, come to uh, the Hamptons, to come here, to go to the beach. And to think, I just want to sit by the ocean, I want to be still and know that he's God. And that is true. That's what this psalm does talk about. There's a personal application here. But the personal application comes after the cosmic implication. Because what God is doing is he's talking first and foremost to the entire world. He's not just talking to you and me individually to say go and be still and know that I'm God by the beach and sit by the ocean. That's true, but first of all, I want you to see that this is talking about a cosmic implication. This is a cosmic command. God is taking, speaking to all of creation. He's speaking to all the nations. He is speaking directly to the chaos in the world and to those who bring it. To those who bring it. He's saying, be still. Think about the Gospels, for example. Think about when what happens when the disciples are on the boat. And when Jesus is asleep, and the winds and the waves come, and there's chaos, and the disciples say, we're afraid, what's going to happen? Jesus, wake up. And Jesus, what does he, he wakes up, and what does he say? He says, be still. And what happens? The winds and the waves obey him. Why? Because he has power over all creation. And that is what's happening here. That's actually what's happening here, is that God is saying, be still to the entire world. He's saying be still to those who gr- create chaos in our world. To the rulers. He's saying be still because He is God. He's saying be still. There is, this is a cosmic command. Be still and know that I am God. And in Psalm 46, this word, be still, actually means to let your grip go of something. Like you have a grip on something. It means to let it go. God has power to talk to the entire world in the chaos he's saying let your grip go you don't have power that you think that you have power ever because god is the supreme power and he's the one who is going to bring peace and justice it means to cease from armed struggle it means all the armed struggle that's going on in our world god says be still let go not just in your own individual lives it does mean that but in our entire world in charlottesville It means be still, be still, and know that I am God. To unclench the warrior's fist. It has cosmic implication that God's rule wins. God has completed his rule and his order through the work of Jesus Christ. And we are called to be people who live in light of that work. We're called to be people who be still. That we are called individually as a result of that cosmic command to the entire world, we are called to learn how to live in light of that and as a personal application. So yeah, it does mean that we can go and we can sit by places uh, uh, that give us peace, inner peace. Yes, it does mean that. But it has to be in light of the, the cosmic command of the entire world. And so I want you to hear what I, you know, when we think about all the chaos that's happening in the world and we hear the word be still, that doesn't mean that you just get away from everything and just be still and do nothing. No, it means that you're called to understand that this is a cosmic command, that God orders his world, and that we're called to receive the work that he has done and called to go and live in light of it, and to know that he is God, that he is the one who has brought order. He is the one who has brought his rule, and that's, that's why Jesus went to the cross. That is why Jesus went to the cross, so the destruction could be destroyed. That is a work that has already happened. Jesus said, do you remember what he said on the cross? He said, it is finished. It is done. And we as the church are called to figure out what it means to live in light of that. We're called to figure out what it means to live in light of that. So I want to invite you into this psalm. I want to invite you into this receiving this command to be still. To understand that God is the most supreme power. That Jesus is the supreme. He's the king of all. And we're called to receive his kingship and to receive his lordship to live in light of that and so i want to invite you even this week to to stop to stop what you're doing to stop trying to do 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 i don't know what it means for you in your own life but just just even take a few minutes just to stop and just to even cease all your activity. Just to stop moving to stop working on your phone whatever it means whatever it is that creates restlessness in you to stop and to receive from god because that's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is not about you doing things in order to earn God's favor. The Christian life is about what God has already done and for us to live in light of that. I want you to figure out what it means to take a time out and to receive from God. And friends, we have a God who wants to give us good, good gifts. And he has given us a good gift in Jesus. I hope you hear that this morning. I hope you hear that God has come in the person of Jesus And He has faced the chaos. And He has brought the order through His work on the cross. Friends, receive the work that God has done for you in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we give You thanks. Thank You for the psalm. Thank You that You are all-powerful and that You are a God who uses Your power to bring peace and justice. That You are good. That You bring order into this world. Father, we ask that you would teach us how to be still and to know that you're God. That you have brought your order through Jesus and that you will bring it. Give us hope, give us faith. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.